mean? Oh, come on, you guys could do better than that. You got, you're not clapping for me. You're, not, you're definitely not clapping for me. I believe that today there are powerful things that will happen in your life in the hearing of God's word. You believe that? Yes. Well, if you believe that, go ahead and say this with us. I have ears to hear. I have eyes that perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on now, give it up. We're excited about God's word. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled, I'm In. And what we've been doing is really looking at practical ways from God's word uh, that we're called to belong and be a part of the body of Christ in the church. And so uh, this isn't in my notes, so I'll just share it with you. But I just woke up this morning with this portion of scripture, and I believe that the Lord was not just showing me something, but he's showing you something. So in Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, it says this. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is. So get this, good and pleasant things occur. But when? When, we, when brethren dwell together in unity. Listen to what it says. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. That's talking about anointing and power. Um, and then it says, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Watch this. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I want you to see something that what we are doing here today is not something that is just ordinary. It is extraordinary. It is godly. It is powerful. God is bringing something into your life. There is a commanded blessing. Things happen when God's people join together. Whether you believe in Christ or not, whether you're here or you're joining us online, we want you to know that God is doing something amazing for you. He's producing something in you. He's giving you life forevermore. So you guys ready for the word of God today? Yeah. All right, so over the last couple of weeks, we've learned a few things. In week one, we learned that we are invited, that there's an invitation, not just to be in the church, to be a part of the church, but to a personal relationship with God. It all begins there. Week two, we learned that we are invaluable. Somebody say, I'm invaluable. Now, that's great that you know that, but listen closely. Your value is of no worth to you unless it's maximized by your investment into the life of another. That's how value works. And so we are called, we are invaluable, but that value is maximized as we pour it into others. In week three, we learn that we are involved. There is no way in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, that we cannot be involved in the gospel and in the process of getting that out into the lives of people and bringing hope if we're not doing something with it. So we're called to be involved. Last week we learned that we are in partnership, that the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the great things that God was doing in the life of believers in the early church and even to this day and how God was adding unto them daily those that were being saved, that none of that happened without partnership from people. And so today, I want to talk to you on the topic, I'm in love. I'm in love. Somebody say that with me, I'm in love. Now when you hear that, I know that some of you are thinking about falling in love. You're thinking about being in love with someone. You're equating it to some sort of emotional experience. But let me ask you a question as we get started here. 
What exactly does being in love or falling in love mean to you? What does it mean? Now, I know I'm about to ask you some silly questions, but does it mean that one day you were walking and you tripped and slammed your face into the concrete and, because you fell and you, you got up and you were in love? Right? Does it mean that you, uh, you, you, you were overwhelmed with this deep emotion that feels like love? Does it mean that you're in a physical location that you enter into and when you're there, that's when you want to love? That's when you are being loved? That's when you're extending love? Look, I know that these questions are ludicrous, but the truth is that most people today do not have a realistic definition of what it means to be in love. And contrary to popular belief, love does not originate with affection or with attraction or the attention of people. It's not something that comes and goes. It doesn't even originate with us. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. It says, Dear friends, I want you to consider God's word to you. He calls you a friend. He's intimate. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So get this, we receive love, but that love isn't complete unless it begins to do something among us. Thus, it tells us, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But this isn't an emotional love. This is what the scripture refers to as agape love, the love of God. And this love of God must not simply be received, it must transcend into those around us. I pray you're hearing me. Verse 8, whoever does not love, it's talking about the love that we share amongst one another. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so if we're to truly understand what it is to be in love, we cannot do it independent of God. But get this, we can't do it independent of each other. We can't. So this verse refers to the love that is at work within the body of Christ. Peter is writing to the church, which tells us something. Love begins with God, but listen closely. It flourishes out of the body of believers in the church. So why is that important? Because for some of us, and for some of you, you might be able to relate to this because you might be stuck in the 80s talking about, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me, right? Some of you know what song I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. But let me ask you this, if that's where you are. Seeking love from people. Seeking love from some emotional panacea or high. How's that working for you? It doesn't work. See, it comes and it goes. We're living in a day and age today where the world is calling for justice, it's calling for equality, it's calling for unity, it's calling for peace, and it's calling for love among men. And these all give the appearance of a genuine pursuit for love. But it's not. And I'll tell you why. Because there's an agenda that excludes God. As, and as we know, there's an agenda that's seeking to exclude the church. To exclude you. 
you know, we talk about loving people, and the moment you start talking about God, it's like, I'm going to cut you off, right? And so I want you to understand something, that love works best in the body. And many people, because that's where they are, because they dismiss the love of God and they dismiss the body of Christ, they thereby are missing what is operating in the church. Now, I know for some of us, when we hear that, we equate it to experiences we've had in other places. And I'm, I'm saying to you, please do not deduce the love of God to what you've experienced or even suffered amongst some people that failed you. I'm telling you about the power that's at work in the body. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It says, the end of all things is near. Now, I know for some of us, we've, we, 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 we're of the mindset that says, man, the Bible's been saying for over 2,000 years that we're in the end times. You know what it means when the Bible says the end times? It just, it's just simply referring to the final chapter. The final chapter has been in place since Jesus rose again. And so please don't get impatient. It says the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Watch this. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. A faithful, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want you to see that this is the way it is in the body of Christ. In light of the times that we find ourselves in in this world, 1 Peter 4 teaches us that we should live with a sober mind, which simply means this, with clarity concerning the truth. And I'll tell you why Peter says this. Mind you, he's speaking to believers. Because even as believers, for some of us, we're missing it. We're missing it. And what are we missing? Here's a sobering thought in light of the scriptures and what we're talking about. You will not find the love of, of God in a world that excludes God and the power of love at work within his church. I'm going to say that again. You will not find the love of God in a world that excludes God and the power of love at work within his church. See, in the body of Christ, according to the, to the scriptures, love works. It works deeply. It works to such a great extent that it covers sin, is what the scripture says, which brings healing in, and hope. True love embraces people with arms wide open in hospitality. It extends itself. In love, gifts are in operation in service to others, and we encourage each other with truth. But not just any truth, the truth in Christ. And the reason why we do this is because God loves us, we love God, and we can't resist the urge to love one another and others. See, when we have that clarity, when we are living with a sober mindset, 
with a clarity on what the truth is and how things are supposed to work, what happens is this, that there's a genuine love for God and a genuine love for each other. Listen, to be in love, in love, is to be in Christ and to be a part of his church. Now I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because for some of us, church is a place we go. It's not a people we belong to. And thus, we seek love in people. And sometimes we're seeking it in people that don't even know God. We don't, they don't even know God. And what, what can we expect? Now, I'm not putting anybody down, but the scriptures clearly say, let us love one another. And it tells us where that love comes from. It tells us that God is love. And when it commands us to love one another, it's calling us to love out of the experience that we have a vibrant, perpetual, continual experience of God's love. And you can't get that amongst people that reject the kingdom, that reject love. Now, that doesn't mean that we dismiss people. No, that means that we fill the gap and we love in place where they may not understand. And so to be in love is to be in Christ and to be a part of his church. And so Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 23 is what's commonly known as the, the, the account of an interaction that Jesus had with a young man that's referred to as the rich young ruler. Starting at verse 17 in Mark 10, it says that as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him, paid close attention to this, and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this man came to Jesus with a question. What must I do to inherit, to partake, to participate, to take a hold of in my life? What the kingdom offers, eternal life, life with God. And what we see is that while he knew what to do according to the law, he did not do what he should do, the most basic thing, because, he was, because something was lacking. See, his service to God was all internally focused, but watch why. Because it excluded people. It excluded people. It excluded those around him. And so 
he did not realize what Jesus was truly offering him. Verse 21 tells us that Jesus looked at him and loved him. See, he believed that belonging and that belonging and finding life in the kingdom of God was based on his ability to earn God's love and acceptance by his actions. But Jesus, by his example, reveals that it's based on God's love for him and a life lived in love towards those among him in community. See, many approach the kingdom of God in this manner to this day. See, the people that Jesus was calling him to serve were Israelites. And I'll give you some context here for what we're seeing here. Jesus was calling him to do what was not only commanded, but what was supposed to be normal and acceptable amongst Jewish people. It was to love your neighbor. It was to serve your neighbor. In another portion of scripture, we see that Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He says these are both one and the same. And so this guy wanted the experience with, with God, love with God, love from God and everything that came with the kingdom without loving people. And so because of his disillusionment with what it took to belong in God's kingdom, this man gave up a true and lifelong experience in love with God and with people for the temporary promise that held him captive by way of a selfish love for his possessions and himself. And so I want to give you a couple of things to consider here because I pray that you will not make this crucial mistake. And here's what I want you to start thinking about, that if you are to be in love, yes, you are to be in relationship with God, but you are also to experience that and continuing, the, and continuing that in the body of Christ. You can't claim to love God and reject his people. It's selfish. And where there is selfishness, guess what? There is deceit. Where there is selfishness, there is an open door to the schemes of the enemy. Where there is selfishness, you, not only are you robbing yourself, but you are robbing the kingdom of God of what God wants to do through you in love. And so I want us to take a deeper look at the impact of love in the church. And I want to give you just some practical things to consider. The first one that I want to give you is that love in the body produces a new mindset. I'm going to say that again. Love in the body. Love, the love that we experience in the church produces a new mindset. This is an important point to begin with because according to Romans 12, 2, it tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? So many people are seeking transformation. It's enticing, it's appealing to, to come to this point where you understand that God loves you and that it promises life change, that it promises to impact your circumstances, but it goes beyond that. And so this man's mind and heart were set on a way that was contrary to the kingdom. And the truth is that we don't know his mindset. 
We don't know his background story uh, in this man's life. But what we do know is that his mindset was unrenewed. It made no room for what Jesus was proposing to him, what Jesus was bringing to him. Mind you, he was having an encounter with love itself. And he couldn't even perceive it because his mind was set on something that did not make room for God. His experience and his understanding of love and of God was focused on himself. And so as followers of Christ, now's a good time to consider, am I in the kingdom of God? But holding to an old pattern of thinking. Let me put it to you this way. Is your mind set on old ways, on selfish ways, on self-serving ways? Do you seek God for your benefit? Do you truly care about your fellow brethren in the body? Let me make that a little bit more personal. Do you truly love your brother and sister in the body? Hmm. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It starts off by saying, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So I want you to think about this. Notice that the scripture starts talking about if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and any sympathy. It's talking about if there is, if you've participated, if you've experienced this, if this is your, uh, this is the fruit of your relationship with Christ, if this is what's happening in your life, if this is what you're reaping in your personal relationship with Christ, then make it complete by being what? Of the same mind. And that same mind is just, it is not just the agreement amongst us with one another. It's the mind of Christ. So I want you to see where Christ's mind is set. It's created on something new. It's a new law. It's a new way. The scriptures refer to it as the law of liberty. It's a law which is undergirded and founded on the love of God. You know, for some of us, we believe when we're called to love our neighbor that we're called to do good deeds unto people that don't know Christ. That is true. But you know what the scripture says? The scripture says that if you give all that you have, you give yourself over to be burned, to be sacrificed, for another, but have not love, it's of no profit. 
And that love must first thrive and blossom and flourish and grow amongst your fellow brother and sister in Christ. If you can't do it here, but you can do it out there, then let me submit to you something. Here's a question. Is it real love? Because you can't give what you don't share amongst one another in the body. We can't do that. That makes sense? You know, it's one thing that I know about mindsets. They're like odors. <laughs> they stick to you. Right? And there's no better way for the truth in God's word and this love of God to stick in our lives than to get around people who love God, who love you, who love one another, and who love people. I remember uh, years ago when I first got back into pursuing a relationship with God. I had gone through a lot, and I grew up in a, very, in a church that was very abusive, to be honest with you. It was very religious. It was very rigid. Um, it was very manipulative, right? Um, and maybe you can identify with that. But I loved God, but I had a distaste for anything and everything that in my mind was the church. And so when I started going back and I started being amongst people and believers, I was a wreck. I was very uncomfortable, right? The way my friends tell it back then, I, I appeared like I was like, you know, a, a duck out of water. I, I just didn't fit. I was just on edge about everything. And to an extent, it was because of what I thought the church was. And all of a sudden, I start to hear this message about the love of God. And it began to seize upon my heart. But you know, God in all his wisdom didn't just begin to open my understanding to this message of his love. He began to display it to me through people. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. How grateful I am for that. I was around a, a group of people, man, and there, one, one guy in particular, a good friend of mine named Louis, whose wife is my wife's best friend, Ivelisse. Um, this guy, man, I, I, I was rough around the edges. I, when I tell you it was rough, I was rough. You know, I led with my words. You know how the Bible says, be slow to speak, be quick to listen, right? I was quick to speak, slow to listen, and I was quick to anger. I spoke my mind, and, and I was very vocal, and I was very rough. But you know, what I didn't experience was condemnation nor judgment. What I, what I experienced was someone who saw beyond my circumstances and my hurts and who believed the best in me while everyone else believed the worst about me. And this guy was patient with me. He was nurturing with me. But more than that, he was also an example to me. He was an example to me as to what it meant to be a husband, he was an example to me as to what it meant to love God and worship God and pursue God. He was an example to me of what it meant to stand on the truth. And so he led me, not so much by his words, but by his actions and his care. And the reason why I share that with you is because in that, I began to discover Christ. And that began to work on my heart. 
See, when you get around people who love God, that love begins to stick. And it's not just the love for God. You begin to truly know what it is to love yourself. You begin to understand what it is that you can cover sin. Not that you excuse it, but that you can look beyond the issues that you encounter in people and you can love them with the love of God and you can be a part of the process of building and restoring them. That makes sense? That's true love. We live in a world where love is primarily, if we can be honest, self-seeking. I love you if you love me. Right? I love you if you agree with me. And if we don't agree, then I don't love you. You're my enemy. That's not love. That's a lie. Right? The second point that I want to give to you is that love in the body is genuine. Love in the body is genuine. I want you to hear what we're talking about here according to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 says, let, let love be genuine. It says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful, in other words, lazy in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Listen, when it comes to love, most people are searching for a feeling, an emotional experience. But I think we can all agree that that's not love at all. I, I believe that everyone wants a genuine experience with love. And according to the scriptures that we just read, this happens in the body of Christ. Why do I say that? Because you have to let love be genuine. I can't speak for other places, but I can tell you this, that here we strive to let love be genuine. Now, we got to be clear on what that means. See, genuine love operates according to truth. It's the reason why we strive here to keep everything in line with God's word. We are not interested in giving you opinions. It's more useful to teach you and point you to the truth. That's genuine love. It's the only way that we've been able to do what God has called us to do successfully, not just in here, but towards our fellow man around us. Now, when I say that love in the body is genuine, I'm pretty sure that by, right, by now you know that I'm not referring so much to a genuine feeling or a genuine uh, uh, experience that fills your emotional tank. The word genuine here speaks of something that is unfeigned, undisguised, with sincerity, and without hypocrisy. See, God's love does not work by way of double standards. There is no hidden agenda. In other words, it's all based on the truth. And here's why I bring that point up. Because in the body of Christ, we love you enough, and I can't speak for everyone else, but I can speak to, as to here. We love you enough to correctly tell you the truth in God's word. 
and to walk with you through it as it heals and helps you. The Bible says that we are to speak the truth in love. But you know what the reality is about truth and love that work together? Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's challenging. And I want you to see what I mean about this point. Proverbs 27, 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The word friend here literally speaks of one who loves. Right? And where there is this kind of love in operation, what we see is that it will sometimes hurt. Let me read it to you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. See, we love you enough in the body of Christ to embrace you and to teach you and tell you the truth. And while sometimes it may challenge where you find yourself in life, here's, what, here's the reality, that it will help you. It will help you. Now, conversely, what we see is that an enemy showers you with profuse kisses. You know, the scripture talks about that in the last days that people will strive, they will pursue, they will run after those who, 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 who satisfy their itching ears. Can I tell you something? That if the word of God that you are learning wherever you go is appeasing you and being given to you in such a way that it fits what you want and what you believe and what you understand about God and it excludes the truth, if it does not challenge you, then I want you to realize that what you are is in a place where it's all about... We just love you, and God just loves you, and you're all right, and it's okay to not be okay and to stay there because God still loves you, and his grace is sufficient for you. Well, let me tell you something about God's love. God's love will produce growth in you. You know, here's the thing. We're going to touch on that next. I'm going to touch on that next. But have you ever thought about this, that the scripture talks about that the one whom he loves, he prunes. Amen. He prunes. That doesn't mean that God hurts you, but here's what it does mean. You try pruning a finger off your body. And I, I Don't take that as a license to go try it, right? That's not what I said. Make sure that's on tape, because we are not liable if you try that. But I want you to see something. That whom he loves, he will give the truth for the purpose of cutting away some things. And an enemy will just tell you what you want to hear and what appeases you. That's an enemy. You know what that tells us? There are some places where the enemy is at work. Under the guise of truth. Right? So, the next point that I want to give you here today is that love in the body will push you to grow further. It will push you. It will compel you. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, let us consider how we may spur 
one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The scriptures encourage us to not give up in coming together. But listen, it's not for the sake of weekly attendance. In verse 24, it tells us that when we come together, it clarifies what happens. It tells us that it is then that we have and take the opportunity to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That word spur there is defined as inciting, provoking, irritating by way of friction. So listen, what we're doing at this moment isn't gathering at its fullest expression. Sitting here today, joining online, that's not the full extent of what the scripture talks about when it encourages, when it encourages us not to forsake the gathering among us. Listen, what we're seeing here is that when we gather together, we are so close in relationship that our interactions with one another begin to reveal the great thing that God is doing in us. It's a rubbing, a, 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 a friction, a connection so close that we can't help but begin to encourage and build one, other, one another up and reveal what's on the inside. You know, I'm reminded of an analogy I came across a while back. It, it says that in the 16th century, the sculptor Donatello arranged to buy a two-ton block of marble for one of his works. And when the dealer brought the block to Donatello's studio in Rome, the sculptor rejected it. You see, he saw the flaws in the stone. And so the dealer then took the marble to Michelangelo, hoping that the artist would buy it and spare him the task of having to return it to the quarry. And so Michelangelo saw the flaws as well. But he also saw something else. He saw a figure buried deep in the stone that he wanted to bring into existence. And so he bought the marble and created the statue that to this day sits in a museum in Florence. It's this masterpiece called David. Michelangelo used the flaws in the stone to portray some of the muscles in David's body. What I want you to get is that Michelangelo saw the figure of David buried deep in the stone. And all he could do as the artist was to get close and personal and chisel away and cut away at the stone on the outside to set David free who was on the inside. Now the reason why I share that with you is this, because as we begin to connect and love one another and strive towards what the scriptures calls us to in the body, yes, we will rub against one another. And sometimes you will not like that. I can tell you from personal experience. But I will tell you also that forsaking that comes at a great cost. 
Because not only do you rob yourself, but you rob another of unveiling Christ in them. See, when the scripture says that we shouldn't forsake the gathering amongst us and that we spur one another, listen to what it says, we spur one another on to love and good deeds. We bring out the best in each other when we stay committed as, as the body of Christ to love and care for one another. It reveals something within us. The last point that I want to leave you with here in relation to growth and the love of God is that love in the body ultimately reveals the love of God for the world. I'm going to say that again. Love in the body ultimately reveals the love of God for the world, towards people in this world. 1 John 4.12 says this, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. That word perfected there means to complete and to come to the place of the end goal. Now, the truth is that none of us, no one has ever seen God. So how then is it that people have come to love God and to accept his love for them? How is it that people have come to this place where their faith is so strong and so rooted in a love for God and in an, and in an experience of God's love for them and through them if they've never seen God? Well, I'll tell you how. The answer lies in this verse where it states that love is perfected in us. See, the way that love accomplishes its end goal is when we learn to coexist in love with each other. Jesus provides us greater clarity in one of his last prayers while on earth. Listen to John 17 verses 20 through 23 as we close. Listen to what he says. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now that sounds like he's referring solely to a message that they will declare by their words. But I want you to see that it's more than that. He says that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete. That's the same word used in 1 John 4, where it talks about being perfected. It says, so that they may be complete, they may be brought to complete unity. Watch this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said that when we are brought to completeness as one, that then the world will know that he was sent of God and that he loves them. It's so important that we excel in this call, not just to love God, but to understand that to be in love is 
to be a vibrant part of the fabric called the church. You belong. And so we're not just called to be in the body of Christ as his church. We are in love. And as we continue to grow in love towards one another and the world around us, they will come to know God and draw near to him too. Let's stand here today. I want you to see that the love of God is for everyone, but that it depends on you, on me, on us, and what we do with it here among us and towards our fellow man. I pray that today you make the commitment to accept the truth and to walk in it. I love you. But I need you to love me too. I need you to not just love me, but I need you to love each other. It's and more than I, you know, I know when I say I need you, it sounds like it's what I need. No, 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 no. This is what God necessitates for each and every one of us. Let's press into that today. Amen. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for your great love. But Lord, we also thank you for the truth that challenges us, that spurs us on to love one another. To function in this place of love. To excel in it. To extend it to one another. To consider others better than ourselves. And to do it here amongst us so that, Lord, we can be ready, equipped to do it in the lives of others, that they might know that you are the Christ. It's possible that there's someone here today, and you're hearing this message today, and what you're, you're gathering from it is that, yes, God is love, but that the experience you've had with love has been insufficient. It has been incomplete. It's been fake. And what you see is that the love of God exists in a thriving and personal relationship with him, but it also flourishes through people, his people. So to you I say today, you belong. To you I say that God loves you, and to you I say that the scriptures declare that he places the lonely, the destitute, the broken in a family. It's his body. And so today if you believe that, that I need you to know this, we want you to know this, that God loves you so much that he saw you in your place of isolation. He saw you in your shortcomings. He saw you in your sin. But what he said was, I love you enough to pay the price to remove that sin, that stain on your life so that I can declare you holy. And the way he did that was this. He died for you and me. He died for the entire world. And in dying, he paid the price for sin undoing the debt and giving us a clear path, a freeway, a highway, a direct connection to God. He rose again, not just to prove that he's God, but he rose again to prove to you that you can rise too. And so today, if you believe that with us, pray this with us as we close. We're joining with you in your faith and in your decision. Say, Jesus, I believe. You love me. I believe you died for me paid the price for my sin and that you rose again as the Christ. Today I declare 
You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting in you. I'm following after you. And I'm walking in your love with your people as your part of your family. Come on, if you prayed that, we are celebrating the power of God's love at work in your life. We welcome you into the family of God, and we are here to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for Jesus and your great love, not just for us, but operating in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.